Good afternoon again, and welcome to Table Talk, a conversation on race. It is great to be with everybody on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Today is December 7th, 2022. And in today's webinar, we're going to be celebrating and learning from anti-racist ministries in the East Central District. So as our panelists are sharing, we encourage you to ask questions in the chat or in the Q&A box, and we'll try our best to answer them at the end of our webinar. And as a reminder, the goal of our webinar is to bring awareness to the anti-racism work in the Florida Conference, to equip and support those who are integrating anti-racism into their ministry, into their lives. And we believe that anti-racism is an act of discipleship. So this is one way that we love God and we love neighbor. My name is Erwin Lopez, and I'm a member of the Beloved Community Leadership Team, which works alongside the Bishop's Anti-Racist Task Force. And it's really an honor to be leading these table talks. And I'm very excited to hear from the Reverend Heather Harding, who's the chair of the Anti-Racist Task Force in the East Central District. We also have with us the Reverend Frank Adams, lay leader Tanya Tolson, and possibly lay person Anita Campbell, who all have been leading anti-racism ministries in their local settings, and we're very excited to learn from them. So first, we're going to start with Pastor Heather Harding who is the chair of the Anti-Racist Task Force in the East Central District. Welcome, Heather, and um, share with us what's been going on in the East Central District. Thank you so much, Erwin. Um, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, we, we got started a couple years ago after the George Floyd murder. There were uh, several of us that were on a clergy call and just really felt the need to start meeting together. And so um, that's where, where Frank and I uh, first really connected over this. And we began a group uh, called the Bridge Builders. And we began meeting uh, once a month on Sunday afternoons just to get to know each other, build relationships, and hear our different stories and perspectives about race. And then uh, earlier this year in a district leadership meeting, uh, the uh, district superintendent and the district leadership team was saying that we need to really create more of a task force on anti-racism. So um, I've been really interested in the conversations I've been having with the bridge builders and so uh, agreed to get this started. So this year, essentially, we've been just sharing our stories of what we're doing in our churches and, and um, you know, the challenges that we're facing. Um, Tanya has led us and our team in some time of lament that's really been helpful. And uh, we've just been, you know, kicking around different ideas with the people on the team of, of how, to, how to get started and what things are happening in their church. So um, let me ask Frank to share a little bit more about Bridge Builders. Thank you. Uh... Reverend Harding, I'm so sorry. I'm uh, having difficulties unmuting myself this this morning or this afternoon. But uh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, we are um, really um, investing ourselves in this bridge builder work. I think I love this whole thought about us building bridges over racism, building bridges to anti-racism work and to action. Uh, but it's a work that is hard, a work that is not um, easy. Uh, of course, it's not easy to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, the things that we have been kind of working on or doing uh, in those conversations, really getting to know each other's perspective. Uh, you can have more empathy and you can uh, have a greater social justice um, um, 
disposition when you really understand and to truly love people for uh, the gifts and graces that God has given each and every person. So uh, we have really been investing and in learning and hearing each other's stories. Um, I have told my perspective about what it, what it's been like to be an African-American male living in the Central Florida area his entire life, all the different challenges that I have uh, come across. Uh, and we have heard uh, other folks from our Bridge Builder group tell their particular stories from their vantage points and their perspectives. And we have learned so much about, um, you know, uh, you name it, uh, white privilege, um, uh, you know, um, I don't know, um, uh, actions and ignorance and uh, and also people's desire, desire to do better and to uh, not to be divided, but to be uh, to be united. And um, and if that's going to happen, I think we have committed or we have at least agreed that um, that that work should come from those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And so so at my church, I have picked uh, four ladies in addition to my wife um, uh, for, for persons, I shouldn't say ladies, for persons from our church, they just happen to all be wonderful ladies. Um, and they have been meeting um, in this bridge builder group, I think since we started. And um, we've had some rich conversations um, at our church. We have preached about anti-racism um, a lot. Uh, I would say particularly uh, after the George Floyd incident, we preached about it quite often, um, but some might say not often enough. Um, and so we've always been challenged about having the right balance of, uh, of anti-racism conversations and the other conversations that we have to have uh, within our church. Uh, the other thing we've done, we've also had a Bible study in regards to uh, racism. Um, uh, my own Bible study on Wednesdays, uh, we had a study for about six weeks on uh, racism as well. Uh, and that was really good for a small group of persons who come to my Bible study, have been coming for years. Uh, it was a really eye-opening and opportunity for us to begin to talk about difference, hopefully making where difference doesn't make a difference, which is something I heard from Yolanda King, uh, the daughter of Martin Luther King, who spoke at Disney uh, some years ago when I used to be a manager um, at the Disney, um, Walt Disney World Resort. Um, and so those are some of the things that we're doing. We also are having holy conversations. So every third Sunday, at our church, we have conversations about uh, racism, or we have conversations about um, the United, the, the continuing United Methodist Church, which includes uh, the LGBTQ uh, question, in addition to anti-racism and all the other things that divide us. Uh, so um, while I feel we have so much more work to do, we have started in these, uh, uh, I say little by little in these ways, and uh, I'm looking forward to having more and more conversations um, with our laity, with our clergy, and with all the folks in our local church and also uh, in the East Central District and beyond. So I'm excited to get uh, busy uh, in regards to anti-racism. Um, I think this is something that's not like something that we um, we pick up and we just do at church. It's it's a part of who we are. This is our life that we uh, we love God and that we love our neighbor. So I hope that's what you're looking for, Heather. I, that's good. Want me to share anything else? Great. Yeah. Let's uh, let's ask um, Tanya to check in and um, tell us about what you're doing at at Winter Park. Um, she's been one that's been a little bit further along on the journey than some of the others in the in the group. Yes. Um, thanks, Heather. Um, and thank you, um, Reverend Frank, as well. Um, um, as Reverend um, Heather said, we've been doing this for about five years. 
it started out as a conversation um, um, where we wanted to talk um, and share our stories. Um, and then we, it quickly dawned on us um, that we needed to have more tea um, in leadership. And we asked our leadership, um, our church leadership, if we could be a committee. And once that was um, um, approved, um, I was appointed the um, chair of the DEI committee um, in the early of 2018. And once we established that, we had about 18 members, we realized that we knew a lot about a lot of nothing. <laughs> and we needed um, people to help us who have been doing the work. And we were fortunate to have um, Barbara Thompson, um, who's the social director from UCF for DEI and inclusion um, and, and, an and an educator. Um, so we started out with huge um, workshops on what, you know, ABCs of diversity and what is, um, 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 the, what are the hidden biases that we um, have in our consciousness, as well as what is privilege. And what we also needed to come up with a mission statement and a strategic plan and to have specific goals and objectives and strategies of how to um, build these programs. And the biggest part of, of our piece is, is um, the education part. So uh, we studied um, Brian Stevenson's book, um, Just Mercy. We studied Isabel Wilkinson's book, um, um, Cast. Um, and these were, not, um, these were not book club studies. This was not going in to find out if we liked a book or hated a book. No, it was to delve deeply into the principles and the, and, and, and the policies that um, imprison all of us, especially in regards to race. Um, we also did film studies. We did um, um, The 13th, which is on uh, Netflix. And this gave us the ability not to, not to only educate us ourselves as a church, but to invite others to the conversation. And I've actually, we had more success inviting people from outside of our church and making disciples more than inside where there was more of a resistance. Um, so, um, and we have like Reverend Frank said, um, delved into the LGBTQ um, inclusion and equity and diversity as well. We studied the book, um, Changing Our Mind, which is apology, uh, Apologia. Um, by a um, minister. And we were really successful this year in working with Eastern University Christians for Social Action. And we had a fishbowl um, event of 90 minutes where Christian LGBTQIA spoke about their spirituality, spoke about openly about their identity and spoke um, more about what homophobism looks like. So um, like Reverend Frank and, and Reverend Heather said, 
it's just, even though we've been doing this for a while, a little while, we're not as um, advanced as St. Luke's, for instance, who has had um, pastors who have done this for decades. Um, there is still more work to do. We've delved a little bit into ableism. We delved a little bit into, um, we would like to delve um, into, and I'm passing my baton to a younger <laughs> person who's gonna do this work because this is, this is heavy, heavy work. This is emotional work to do. Um, so it takes a toll on the person who is leading it and it has taken a toll on me that I need to rest. So um, they are want to, you know, they want to hear from Native American Christians. They, um, we want to hear from ge about gender equality. We like to do a book like Invisible Women who talks about gender equality because that's a part of our, our, our church um, systems as well. Um, how we discriminate against women. Um, intersectionality is a part of it as well. Um, there's so, um, we did a great films um, uh, conversation about um, Crip Camp, which is another film in Netflix. So, um, and, and we did ageism as well. <laughs> there's a lot of discrimination around ageism. So, um, and so I'm, I, as I look back, um, as I close my chapter um, as a DEI um, chair, um, I think we planted some really huge seeds um, in uh, our church's consciousness. And we've definitely planted some seeds in, in the community as well, where people um, were um, proud um, to have those conversations. Thank you. Can we hear from Anita? Anita's having trouble logging in as a okay. panelist, but we're trying to coordinate that okay. with her right now. Okay. I can allow her to talk. She can okay. talk now. Oh, okay. okay, she's she's on. She's on. <clears throat> but you won't be able to see your camera because she okay. logged in a different way. Okay. Can Anita, can you tell us a little bit about um, what you guys have been doing at your church? You'll need to unmute Anita. Thank you. So sorry about that. Okay. Um, I'm Anita Campbell from Trinity Deland, and um, I, like so many, of course, uh, I was just horrified witnessing the murder of George Floyd and participated shortly after in a protest here in downtown Deland. And I kept thinking I need to do more. And of course, um, my church is very important to me. And because of that, I decided that I would try and do something and i went to the leadership and i'm not sure that the leadership was quite ready we are in a transitional period technically my church is homeless we have sold our building 
And so because of all these transitions, I thought I really needed to do something myself. And I started up a small book study made up of members of the church, but also people from the outside. And we all agree that we have similar values and understandings and feel the same kind of angst about what has happened over the past five years that we've witnessed. And we all are kind of uh, go-getter women, so to speak. And we decided that we would start studying. We started with Kendi's book and we have continued. This has been two years now going on three years. Um, when I first started it, I thought I didn't want to do this by myself. I needed to find somebody who's smarter than me. <laughs> and so I picked Beth Fogelmiller. Those of you that recognize Beth's name, she, of course, is retired clergy and attends my church. She grew up at Trinity. And Beth and I put together this format. And it's not strictly Trinity, but it has kind of morphed into something that is now belongs to Trinity. And again, we started off with these books. Uh, we've read everything that we can get our hands on. Some of the books that we loved, of course, would be uh, 1619 Project. I think that's a must read for everyone. Um, but some of the books surprised us. The ones that, uh, that really surprised, I think, most of us would be Lies My Teacher Taught Me. Um, that's a real, real eye opener, especially for um, those of us that grew up in a school system, basically a white school system, because we're all 65 and older in this group, by the way. And um, so we've continued. And of course, then because we most of us belong to Trinity, we now have approached the leadership and the church says, OK, let's do a small study at the church. And Beth and I looked for the best one and we found that GCAH which is Archives and History, has an online course about splits and schisms. Splits are nothing new in the United Methodist Church. And being able to look at Trinity's history and then in parallel looking at the history of our denomination kind of helped put things into perspective. There were a lot of eye openers, of course, for folks. Now, these were a whole different group from my small group book study. So there were 40 people that were originally uh, signed on. It condensed down to about 30, 32. Um, some fell off because of conflicts, but some fell off because they felt like this was not the study for them. And that's when I started running into some of the biases and some of the resistance that Tanya was talking about. Um, and, and I'm starting to see in here now that our study is over, it was an eight week study. And now that the study is over, we're hearing a little bit more resistance, which, um, I've got a tough skin and I'm willing to take it on, but it's, it's important to know that there will be ups and downs, that this is the long haul. This is not something that will be solved overnight. Um, but finding some committed people, a core group like I have, and out of that, those 40 people uh, used to be just Beth, me and a couple of others. But now that group has grown. So that's what I'm hoping that with each study we have and when we have these hard conversations and I want to hear more about the every third Sunday hard conversations that you're here, you're having at Tuscaloosa. 
um that's going to be important and and i agree with tanya wholeheartedly this is not just a race issue we're talking about gender sexuality age ability disabilities all of the things that we need to talk about with regard to our personal biases as well as our you know corporate biases and um trinity i'll go ahead and tell you trinity is located our old church was located right on a corner where there was a lynching in in Deland, and there is no doubt in my mind. Of course, our church is very old, so there's no doubt in my mind. And people used to walk to church; they used to live right there in the downtown area. So there's no doubt in my mind that we had members of Trinity, God fearing Christian people, who stood beneath that tree and watched as that man was mercilessly uh, murdered right in front of their eyes. And, and how horrible was that? And so I, I had to present that and let people know that that's our history. We had pictures in our archives of uh, members of the church attending and, and having a blackface party. And so we need to look at that and say, this is this be us, you know, this is our past. And, and we need to face up to it and grow from that and understand it in other ways. Um, I'm, I'm still got that little voice though that's hearing that that person or those probably more than one but one that's been vocal about um well i don't mind attending a study but let's just don't talk about racism anymore because i'm not racist and you know upon further inspection you talk to them and question them a little bit more and you find out that they just don't have a clue and that's why I think it's important to try and educate. I'm a former teacher, so I think it's important to try and educate and inform and raise awareness. By the way, Aaron, I love the um, the presenter that we had, Robert Jones, at the last um, uh, session. Under unbelievable advice, great super advice. Um, and somebody put up uh, white too long. That is going to be not not Robert Jones. He was not our presenter. Who was the former presenter last month? Robert Johnson. It was oh, yeah. Johnson. Okay. Um, anyway, great presenter had some wonderful advice about because that's where my group is. The, the rabid small group is ready to say, where do we go from here? How do we take action? Some of us have joined up with Volusia Remembers, which is uh, linked with EJI. They're a partner with EJI. And we're the ones that do the soil collections from the lynching sites. And now we're going to put um, memorials at those lynching sites and raise money for those kinds of things. Some of us are actively engaged in politics and are helping with the polls and elections. Uh, some of us are just advocates. We just go to meetings and we advocate as much as we can. And some of us just want to be readers and, and teachers and leaders. And that's okay because we need all of those. That's great, Anita. That's great, Anita. And Tanya and Frank and Heather, thank you so much for sharing what you all have been doing in the East Central District. I'm part of the East Central District too, so it's kind of cool to kind of brag about what's happening. Um, I do have some questions, if that's okay. For one of you or all of you, and my question is, what kind of challenges have you experienced have you, as you've been doing this work? 
And how were you able to overcome those challenges? I, I can speak to that um, a little bit. Um, so the, the challenges, um, once you start talking about race or even sexual identity and gender equality, um, people get fearful, um, very fearful. Um, and you start to see um, even, even um, you start to see, no, don't, don't do that. <laughs> you can't. Um, and for me as a leader, and, it would, and, it, and I had to hold a container too for my committee members. And most of my committee members are very, um, they're activists, they're um, prophetic <laughs> as well. So, so you have a, a church that can be more conservative and then you have a committee, mem committee that can be more liberal <laughs> and trying to, um, like, have, like Heather and Frank says, bridge that, bridge that gap or hold the tension, I think is for me was the key of being really, really, really patient. One of the resistance we had was we were called a diversity committee rather than a diversity equity and inclusion committee. And it took three years for us to change the name because people didn't have an understanding of what equity and inclusion was. So we had to educate, but we also had to bring along leaders who understood that and advocated for that name change, right? So the name change is foremost, and then the, the mission is foremost, and then you can build out the goals. The other huge piece was the LGBTQ conversations. That fishbowl that I talked to you about with having six LGBTQ Christians tell their stories took three years in the making to happen. Mm -hmm. So when people kept saying no to me, I kept saying, okay, no, not now. I just kept saying, no, not now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, not now. And I just kept, I just kept pushing it and getting people to understand what the vision was and keep putting it down in writing and putting documenting until finally we, we had it. So I think there's a lot of um, contemplation and action in the work. Um, there's a lot of persistence in the work. There's a lot of prayer and meditation, but there's also a lot of soul care that one has to do in order to do this work. I appreciate that response, Tanya. And I'm sure Anita and Heather and Frank, you've all experienced challenges and I commend you for the way you've overcome them. I, um, we have a couple more minutes left and I wanna ask this question that's on my heart. When I was asked to do this work, I was asked to do it at the awareness level. 
And I was shocked at first because I, my first thought was, we're still at the awareness level? And as I hear of some of the work that you're all doing, it's awareness level work in, in some ways. And so my, but even though I've settled into this work and I'm happy with it, there's still that side of me that's like, when are we going to move forward from this? <laughs> and so what would you say to that? Are we going to be okay in this awareness stage and just continue to bring awareness? Is this work more of spreading an idea? When are we going to move towards the practice and the accountability level? I just want to kind of hear from you all as, as you continue to do this work. I think I, I tend to be kind of a linear thinker and I want things to go like we do this first and then we do this and then we do this. And the one constant for me is that it's been messy. You know, that it's not like that, that, you know, we might be in awareness and then we, you know, with bridge builders, you know, we did a panel discussion. We felt like we were doing something at Tuscawilla. You know, we've had um, uh, the month of February, we had black preachers that preached and, and it also seemed like it was still kind of staying at that awareness level. So I, I think I thought we were going to be able to chart our progress, you know, and we were going to really, you know, make this big difference in the world. And the more I'm in it, the more I see that it, uh, it's, we have to just embrace the messiness of it and go at the pace that it goes and kind of see where it goes. And sometimes that's really frustrating, but then sometimes we don't see the markers of how far we've come and things like our relationship, you know, sometimes it's hard to measure that until you realize, well, gosh, you know, Frank's one of my best friends in the conference, now, you know, which, you know, wouldn't have happened without all of this time, you know, together. Yeah, and I would like to add to that too. That um, that I believe that the process doesn't isn't linear, as as Heather already said. My friend Heather had already said, but I think that we will always be revisiting uh, visiting the awareness part because as we go along the journey, as we build relationships, we're going to find folks who are at a different degrees and different levels of of acceptance. Um, uh, of this anti-racism work or acceptance of persons in general, right? So um, I feel like it's going to be an ongoing work that's going to always become somewhat cyclical because we're going to engage people who are at different stages of, uh, of the acceptance of the various dimensions of diversity, right? And so uh, I feel like it's a work that's never going to end, but I'm excited about moving towards the uh, accountability, Right, because we know with accountability that that's where we're actually going to see uh, significant and impactful change, transform transformative change uh, in the for the people of God. So, um, I, I'm I'm preparing myself that this is not a, a sprint, but this is a marathon, um, and that it's going to be a marathon that is um, a relay race as well as we pass the baton from one person to the next. Um, it's how we're going to have to journey until we can really. Um, uh, let's say make some significant change in this anti-racism work. And I'm going to say this already. And if, if no one knows me, I, I usually try to be pretty real, but as an African-American male in my lifetime, I don't believe that we will defeat anti-racism, but I'm hoping for my children, for my children's sakes and for my children's children's sake, uh, that we will accomplish what we have started here and now. And so this work that we do is so important. 
um, so valuable. And I think it's gonna impact generations to come. Uh, and we'll have to stay the course and we'll have to keep encouraging one another. We'll have to persevere. We'll have to endure so many things. And as Heather already said, it's not only messy, but it's costly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. I have so many questions and I really appreciate everything that you're all saying. Here's a question from Mary Robertson. She says, Natasha Morrison addresses this in some Be the Bridge. Faith is not certainty. Can we step forward without knowing what is going to happen? She says she loves the fishbowl idea. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, you know, in your own understanding. That's a good question. And, and it was right in line with what I wanted to ask next. Can we step forward without knowing what is going to happen? And the question that I was thinking that goes along with that is, what is the goal? Should we even have a goal? When you look at your local setting, when you look at the denomination, do you have goals? Is there some, something that you want to achieve? You look back in your ministry, in your local setting, or even over your career, and you say, you know what, at least we achieved this. Do you, do you have that in mind, I wonder? Well, I think I do. I mean, I, I, I set out a goal as grandiose as it was. Um, I told my pastor when I was forming the study group, I said, okay, this is our first attempt and I don't know how it's going to go, but my goal is that at the end of this eight week study, I'm going to have not one, but maybe several rabid people who really want to move forward, who are really fully engaged, that want to see action that want to see trinity move off of dead center not even dead center i mean we're just kind of dead i mean really and my my church is having some difficulties you come and it's a sea of gray hair and um so we we need to do something and i feel like this could be a way for people to get actively engaged in mission work and being able to get outside the walls and getting involved in something that's going to be good and productive. And I don't mean just going and feeding the homeless. I'm talking about, you know, again, I go back to the word activism. Um, I don't see our congregation being activists. I see them being as very passive. And that bothers me somewhat because I feel like I drive by so many churches and I see loads and loads of cars. And it's not just on Sunday. I see it every day to every day of the week. And I keep thinking, that's what I want. People actively engaged and involved. And it's not just there at the church. It's also out in the community. So joining some of these efforts, you know, reading the paper and learning about some of the things that are going on in your town. You know, if I lived in uh, in and around Winter Park, I'd go see if they need a docent at the, a museum over, you know, somewhere uh, to teach people. What You know, my dream, my dream is if I could go teach history. And of course, I tell my friends that are in the school system, I'd probably get fired because I would be teaching the truth. I would be teaching all of these things that I've learned. And we now, unfortunately, have people up in Tallahassee who are saying that teachers 
can't teach this kind of stuff I know I'm going on and on but but I I'm just feeling very passionate about this and I want to see uh change and I I know that change can happen one person can affect change and you get two or three people boy you can really see some change then so imagine what a whole congregation could do if you in, in if you educated empowered your congregation to take action wow what kind of power is in that I, I would add um where Anita said that yes you need to measure you need to have goals you need to have a mission we created a mission over years to we refine that mission and we always when we have a meeting we always say what that mission is so that we're clear about what our mission is and those goals and those objectives should go back to the mission and you should also track what your weaknesses and what your threats are as well um, with the SWOT model and what the opportunities are but you should be also open to when the Holy Spirit comes in and does these miraculous works um, as, as when the conversation we had um, on um, the 13th. So yes, you, you should have goals, but you should not be so strict in them that you, you become inflexible. Um, and so um, that's my view of it. Will you share the mission? Do you remember the mission and, and the goal of your uh, setting? Sure. Um, um, hold on. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily prepared for it's a it's a it's a little bit of a it's not lofty, but it I have to um, read it in order for you to understand what we were trying to do. Okay, so I'm putting this up and our mission is we love and embrace without bias the diversity of all of God's creations and the beauty of humankind. In acknowledging divisions in our church and surrounding community, we strive to be sensitive to others, to listen deeply to all points of view, to develop relationships towards candor and authenticity, to educate ourselves, and to work towards justice, reconciliation, and unity. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Well, we're running out of time here, and I'm wondering if we can close for maybe one or two people briefly, just sharing some encouraging words with our attendees as they continue or maybe even just begin this work. I think something that's been encouraging to me is like to hear, you know, how, um, you know, Anita just started this work, like, what can, you know, really kind of looked around and said, what can I do? And sometimes we get, we get so bogged down by, are we doing the right thing? Are we doing enough? Are we, and so sometimes just doing something. Um, I went to a breakfast last week where pastors got together to um, create a scholarship for Bethune-Cookman University. And I think sometimes we might committee that to death, like, oh, is that what we should do? Is that the best thing to do? Should we, you know, and sometimes just taking an action, you know, getting some people together, starting a group, doing something, being part of a of a, an action in the community, supporting somebody else um, that I think we don't always have to get it perfect, that, you know, kind of that intention to do this work 
and take whatever steps present themselves are something that every single person can do. I uh, threw something. Can you hear me? I'm not sure. Yes. Okay. Uh, I threw something in the chat line about a meeting that's tonight. I'm really looking forward to this because the uh, Volusia Remembers group, which again is part of the EJI network, um, and they're having, they've partnered with Stetson, and Stetson has brought in this art exhibit, which if you research the exhibit online, it's a phenomenal exhibit of activists from all over the world and uh, for the past 100 years, it may even go beyond 100 years, and wonderful examples that you will see the, the, the paintings of these activists and their stories and how they became known as activists and of what their cause was. And so this is all, we're going to see the exhibit, and then we're all going to sit down and have these hard conversations. And this is going to be a pretty large group from what I understand. So I'm very excited. So partnering with local colleges and universities, that's a wonderful way to go. Wonderful way. Excellent. Yeah, so if anybody wants to partner with the University of Central Florida in Orlando, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing these conversations, not only with Florida Florida Conference, but also Generation Z. So just let me know um, the little promo there for our friends in the East Central District. Well, I want thank, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, let's end with uh, uh, Pastor Frank sharing some encouraging words. Quickly, another thing that I think we can be encouraged by, the thing that I've been encouraged by uh, is that, right, just look at this call. We have 22 persons on this call today. We are talking about uh, race and we're talking about diversity and inclusion and anti-racism work. Um, and this was not so five years, six years, 10 years, 15, 20 years ago. Um, so we have advocates out there who want to impact change in regards to the way that uh, we relate to one another uh, through all the various dimensions of diversity, whether it be the LGBTQ person, whether it be uh, African-American, whether it be Hispanic, whether whatever the case might be, whatever your dimension of diversity might be, uh, that we are trying to make room so that the kingdom of God can come to the here and now. Uh, and we're talking about it more and do, or at least trying to relate more now um, than we have, I have seen in my lifetime necessarily. Uh, in regards to racism in this country. So I'm encouraged that we have people of all different um, backgrounds, ethnicities, all working together to try to become united in a world that is dark and despairing. Amen, thank you so much, Pastor Frank. And you're right, you know, part of the goal of today's webinar was to celebrate the work because this work is so difficult. It involves so much of our soul and our emotions that we got to find time to celebrate. And I celebrate each of you. I celebrate this conversation and the conversations we've had over the past year. Thank you for your leadership and thank you for your work. And thank you for everybody who's attended today. We look forward to continuing these conversations in 2024 with some new speakers celebrating ministries in other districts. And we just thank you so much for continuing in this work. And if you ever need any resources, please know that we're here to provide those for you. So. Everybody have a good day, and we'll see you all in the first Wednesday in January. Bye-bye.